Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Throughout all of this, trial and error is a huge part of it, and I really want to validate that trial and error is how we learn, how we grow. It's okay. So much of this path is about embracing mistakes, about accepting that failure is part of the process, that failure is part of the process of success, and I've learned so much from my successes and from my failures, from my falling flat and I, I really, really encourage anyone listening to just really incorporate all of those on her path because we live in just a, such a success-oriented world. And while success is wonderful, I, I really have learned more about myself and more about the work that I do through my failures. And my failures really inform my successes so that they go hand in hand. Welcome to Herself an internal family systems and women's spirituality podcast, and a space for you to come home to your innate wholeness and wisdom. You're in the right place if you're devoted to showing up for not only your outer, but also your inner life with courage and compassion. And if you feel inspired to do that in the good company of other women who are also committed to cultivating greater and greater levels of inner peace and Outer Fulfillment. I'm your host, Sarah Avon Stover, the author of three books, a certified internal family systems practitioner, 
and a pioneering teacher of women's spirituality for the past 24 years and counting. Here, we explore all different facets of a woman's spiritual and healing journey, both the pretty and the not so pretty parts. And we do this through wisdom talks, practical guidance for navigating the ups and downs of our paths with more grace and gusto, and conversations with other inspiring wayfinders. Above all, if you're here, you know that your continued deepening also serves the healing of our world. I'm happy you're here. Let's dive in. Today, I wanted to share with you a topic that's very close to my heart, and it is the topic of business and entrepreneurship. I have been in a business of some sort since I was a child. I started by creating little side businesses for myself, decorating and selling t-shirts, shoes, jewelry boxes, selling candy, babysitting. I just loved creating things and sharing them with people. I loved making money, saving money, buying things with my money. And then when I was 23, I became fully self-employed for the first time and I was teaching yoga in Thailand and I was also doing freelance writing, mostly for Yoga Journal, but also for some other magazines. And things have just grown and built since then. And this podcast is, is one aspect of what I have created as a result of my self-employment. And I really brought everything online in 2008. That was the year that I moved back to the US from Thailand. I was 30. I had been living in Thailand for nine years and I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and I hired a business coach to help me to make that transition to coming more fully online because most of my income was dependent upon big events that I would teach in Asia and in Thailand in particular. I led an annual teacher training, annual retreat, and those were my biggest revenue sources. And so I needed to figure out how I could replace those, how I could make a sustainable living here in the U.S. So I had a business coach to help me do that who knew a lot about online marketing. He was definitely an early adopter of online marketing, and he taught me how to have a blog, how to create a WordPress website, how to create an online course. I started doing teleseminars and all of that kind of stuff. And what I want to speak about today are the the main business lessons, I'd say the five biggest lessons that I've learned since 2008. So the five biggest lessons I've learned in the past 15 years about having an online business and being self-employed, being an entrepreneur. Overall, this path is one of the greatest paths of personal development. I'd say that next to or even just after intimate partnership, Self-employment is is just a massive, massive avenue for growth. It brings me up, it brings one up against her edges constantly and continues to ask me to be vulnerable, to really be clear about my values, to really connect with what feels an integrity for me, and to continue to up my game in various ways. I also view this path of my, my professional path as also an expression of my spiritual path. I, I, 
I really relate to it as a path of service and devotion of really in a refined way, walking my talk, staying grounded. And I have experienced that teaching and sharing is really the final stage of healing and learning anything. It's when I, when I teach something, it also heals me at a deeper level. And it also helps me to embody different lessons and teachings in, in a much fuller way. So over the past 15 years, I have changed a lot for sure. The world has changed a lot. And I know that all of you have changed a lot. I know some of you have been part of this community for those 15 years and some maybe even longer. Throughout all of this, trial and error is a huge part of it. And I really want to validate that trial and error is how we learn, how we grow. It's okay. So much of this path is about embracing mistakes about accepting that failure is part of the process, that failure is part of the process of success. And I've learned so much from my successes and from my failures, from my falling flat. And I, I really, really encourage anyone listening to just really incorporate all of those on her path because we live in just a, such a success-oriented world. And while success is wonderful, I, I really have learned more about myself and more about the work that I do through my failures and my failures really inform my successes. So they go hand in hand. Since this is a big passion of mine, I do spend a lot of my time studying business and online business and marketing in particular. It's a huge passion of mine. I do it for fun. I'm kind of always thinking about my business in some form or another and you can just ask my partner. It's like it comes into most conversations on walks and over dinners. I'm just always thinking about my community and what I'm creating next and how to refine things and always exploring how to stay current and how to stay relevant and staying up to date with technology and at the same time not chasing, you know, shiny objects, not giving into shiny object syndrome, but really staying true to true to myself while staying up to date and being in this continual process of tweaking and refining. So like I said, today I want to share with you the five biggest lessons that I've learned along the way over these past 15 years. Of course, there are so many other lessons, but these are some of the big ones that I wanted to highlight. And if I could go back to the beginning, these are things that I would do differently or that I would tell my past self. These are things that I would share with someone who was just starting out or wanting to build and expand from where they are. I also want to say that while that is so, overall, I have a disposition of trust. I, I trust that I am where I am now and that I was where I was then and that both are okay. There's nothing wrong with either of them. And I trust that the, these are just lessons that I had to learn over time. So are you ready? Let's, let's get into the first lesson. The first big thing that I've learned over these past 15 years is the importance of being consistent and repeating and refining along the way. So when I'm coaching someone in business, when, I, when I'm working with one of my business mentoring clients, I really stress to her the importance of staying the course and showing up consistently over time. 
And there was a period of time not that long ago, it was about 20, I'd say 2018 to 2020, thereabouts, where I, I strongly stepped back from my work. And I don't regret that. That was something that I absolutely needed to do. Uh, I went through a lot of challenges in my life. I was getting the strong inner guidance that I needed to do that, that I needed to step back. I needed to significantly dial down to create space for myself for deeper healing and that I was not in a place where I could really serve others. And I, again, I do not regret that. I, I wish for others that you don't have that experience, that you don't have that level of life challenge, although I acknowledge that it does happen. And that's not what I'm talking about today. I will talk about it in the future. I write a lot more about that in my new book that's coming out next year, A Handbook for the Heartbroken, because I know that's something that happens to many of us when we go through periods of big change or loss or transition. And even in that time, there was a way that I was consistent at a very minimal level. I was still teaching weekly yoga classes. At that time, I was in Santa Barbara. I was still teaching biannual retreats at a center in Colorado that I've been teaching at for a decade. And I was sending out emails to my community just informing when I was doing something like that. However, a more regular, when, I, when I'm in a more regular flow of life, as I am now again, my consistency looks different than that. And it means for me, consistency right now looks like publishing a podcast twice a month and sending out emails to my community each time one of those podcasts come out. It also looks like sending out a monthly email newsletter and posting on social media at least three times a week. For me, that's what consistency looks like. And I recommend that to my clients to find a schedule that is, that is doable for you. So I know a lot of people teach, have, you know, do weekly content and post daily on social media. And maybe there'll be a time in my life when I do that. But up until this time in my life, that has never felt sustainable for me doesn't feel sustainable for me to do one podcast a week. doesn't feel sustainable for me to post on social media once, once a day. And again, maybe that will change over time if I have more support, if I have less projects than I'm doing. But right now, the, the schedule that I have for consistency feels like it's doable, feels like I can, I can meet it. So it's like find, finding the schedule for you that feels doable and just showing up regularly over time. Because now I have been showing up regularly, again, even before I brought my business online in 2008, starting much earlier than that, around in 2003 or so, or even 2001, I started having a weekly newsletter. I, I, I built a website. And so some of you have been getting my email newsletter for like 20 years. And there's something about that just showing up over the years, over the decades that that really helps to build momentum and it really helps to give you a place in in whatever sphere you are working in. Now, some areas of learning here because this is what it's about is that there there were a lot of ways, there were a lot of times where I would create things and then I dismantle them because maybe I had a new inspiration or I'm someone who changes and grows a lot. And I felt like I needed to recreate things in order to kind of represent who I am now. 
And in some learnings over the past couple of years, particularly with a longtime female business coach, Kendall Summerhawk, she created something called the sacred money archetypes. And I took a quiz about that and I learned that one of my sacred money archetypes is the maverick. I have a tie for those of you who are familiar with the archetypes between the ruler, who's very much about what I was talking about in my introduction to this podcast, which is very much about um, just being very business focused and kind of always having my work at top of mind and working a lot, uh, not in a workaholic way, but just because I love it. And also the maverick archetype, which is like wanting novelty, wanting adventure, and wanting to create new things all the time. And in retrospect, I wish that I had stuck with some of the things that I created and refined them over a longer period of time. And I look at some colleagues or some people in my industry who have maybe been offering the same course for like 10 years. And so they've had 10 years of really building and refining that one offering. I've never offered any, anything over that period of time. That would be a challenge for me. That would be an edge for me. That, that's what I'm playing at now. And so now I'm looking at how can I kind of bring novelty, bring excitement within things that I've already created and to even let things be a little bit boring sometimes. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing, but to really repeat structure over time so that it can improve and so that I'm not constantly recreating the wheel, which is a lot of work, you know, between launching a program, creating a program, delivering the program, all of it, but, but to give myself time to be consistent with these different programs over, over a longer period of time through this repeat and refine process. So that's the first one. The second big lesson is if I could go back in time, right from the get-go, I would practice profit first. And for those of you who have not heard of profit first, I encourage you as soon as possible, get the book Profit First by Mike, I'm going to try to say his name, Michael Lowitz. But if you just look, I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but if you just look up the book Profit First on Amazon or just Google it, you will find a wealth of information. And a business mentor recommended this book to me several years ago. I got the book, but I didn't implement it right away. And I, I only officially fully integrated it a few years ago when I started to revive my work after taking a couple of years off. And in the past, when money would come in, I would not have a plan for it. There, there was a certain amount that I would pay myself each month. I would pay myself a salary each month, but the rest of the money in my business checking account would it kind of be like a free-for-all. It would kind of just pay expenses and then just, I don't know what I would do with the rest. And so I had some surprise big, big tax bills on years when I, when I had big income as I started, as I started to have over time. And again, I just did not have a clear plan for what, what, what my money was going to be doing. And so when I started rebuilding a few years ago, I knew I wanted to do things differently. And right away, a big piece of that was implementing the profit first framework. So basically how this works is you determine a percentage 
four percent different percentages for the money that comes into your business percentages for owner's pay for your business expenses for profit which you can use for whatever you want or can be used even for business savings percentage for taxes i also have a percentage for my investments particularly my retirement investments and these percentages have tweaked and changed a little bit over the past few years as my needs have changed a little bit, but I always have a certain percentage. And so any money that comes into my business checking account, because I definitely advocate having separate personal uh, checking and savings accounts and separate business checking and savings accounts, and also separate credit cards for each. So anytime money comes into my business checking account, I automatically divide that according to the percentages and a percentage then goes into my personal checking account as owner's pay, percentage goes into my business expense account, separate goes into my business profit savings account, my tax savings account, and my retirement investments. And this way, I make sure that everything gets taken care of and there's no surprises. There's so tax time now is no stress. I have all the money waiting in that in that savings account. I just transfer it to the IRS or transfer it to the state, wherever it needs to go. Again, there's no surprises, no stress. I'm regularly contributing to my retirement investments, and I am making sure that I'm paying myself a certain amount so that I can save money, so that I can pay personal expenses, have you know, buy things personally that I would like to have. Or I can invest, pay my, my recurring business expenses and invest in things in my business that, that I wanted to invest in. So definitely engage in this practice of profit first right from the start. It, it is not that complicated and it does, it's not hard to implement. It does take a little bit of discipline to sit down and you can even just skim the book. And there's also a bunch of YouTube videos about it now. A lot of other people are teaching this. But to really make sure ultimately that you get intimate with your money because we we put a lot of work into making our money, but then it's important that we don't go unconscious once we do actually make that money. And we make sure that we make the best use of that money that comes in. And so I also really encourage a weekly rhythm of tracking your income and your expenses, even if you do have a bookkeeper. In the past, I also had a bookkeeper, but I was not that intimate on a weekly basis with really looking over my books, which which I do now as well. And I'm very hands-on with my numbers. And I feel that it's really, really important to be intimate with our finances, not to put our head in the sand, our heads in the sand. So the third biggest lesson that I've learned over time is to make sure to get the right support. And I have had times along my business journey where I have had support either through a one-on-one business mentor and or a professional community. And the times of my biggest growth and satisfaction have come when I've had both, when I've had both a business mentor and a professional community to be a part of. And business mentors really help me to move in a more streamlined way with more accountability towards my goals. And I'm working with a coach and a, in a professional community now. And I'm just in a period of a lot of concentration of, of more accelerated growth, 
a more concentrated action taking. And I know that I just get so much out of these periods when I invest in myself in these ways. And this gives me places not only with my mentor and professional community to bounce ideas off of, but also to get inspiration from them and to hear about things that are working for them or not working for them, different technology that they're using, different roadblocks that they're facing or how they've overcome certain things. And also to get moral support if I share about something that I'm trying or something that I feel nervous about, to get that support and encouragement from people, to have people checking in with me because entrepreneurship can be lonely at times and can feel like we're working in a silo. And I know that I just feel so much more connected with myself, with my work, with other people when I have this kind of support in place. And just like in my personal life where I I like to have some combination of one-on-one and group support, feel like the same is true in, in business life. And like I shared with you earlier in this episode, when I first brought my business online in 2008, I did that with the support of a coach, someone who, who knew how to, how to do what I wanted to do. And that helped to streamline and accelerate the process. So it just didn't take me as long. There wasn't as much trial and error. I could get direct real-time feedback. I could learn things that were more relevant and up-to-date. I could learn about how to do things like teleseminars, which were more in trend at that time. I could learn things about how to do automated email responses, which again, were not, were not a common thing, or create a blog, again, which that was also not a common thing at the time. And so that that helped to, to bring me more towards, towards the front edge of of kind of pioneers and, and new, new emerging women in the field of online marketing. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't hired support. So I've always, I've always made more money as a result of getting that support. And again, business investments are really important in that way. It's like what what I put into my business is going to determine what I get out of it. So the fourth piece of this, this lesson is to really follow my heart. And I know this is not really conventional business advice, but the business that I run is not conventional. And that's also, that's been one of my challenges over the years. And it's also been one of my blessings. Most of the business coaches that I've worked with have not fully understood this piece So it's something that I've had to really integrate and incorporate on my own. Because this this kind of work that I do, my heart has to be in it. It has to be in it. Because feminine spiritual practice is all about living from our hearts. And if I'm not following my heart, coming from my heart, I can feel it. And my community can feel it, even if not at a conscious level. And of course, there's times when my heart hasn't been in it. And that's okay. I mean, that's true for all of us. There's times when I've done things because I felt like I should, because I wanted to try something that I heard from a business coach or community were good things to try, and you don't know until you try something. Or times when I felt like I had to do something, maybe because I needed the money. Or I, I, I needed to do it for, for some reason or another. 
So I, I don't, I don't shame myself for that. I don't judge myself for that, criticize myself for that. I just, I know that that's part of my own learning process and sometimes my life circumstances. And I've also in my life not had another income to rely on. I have, I have always made my own money. And so if I haven't met my income goals at different times, there's, there's not something else that I can fall back on. And that has been a blessing in a lot of ways because it has really forced me to work through different blocks that I have and forced me to keep pressing, pressing forward. And I, I don't feel like I would have done nearly as much as I've done in my career had, had that not been the case, had I not had to, because I didn't have something else to fall back on. And at the same time, I know that times when I've done things that my heart hasn't been in, things haven't gone as well. And again, that's okay, but it's just feedback for me. And again, it's pointing, it always points me to the knowing that I have to feel my heart in whatever I'm doing. Like I have to love what I'm doing, at least to some extent. And so I really feel into if I'm creating a sales page for a course or a program, I need to, I need to feel that I love that sales page. I need to love my offer. I just created a new website and it's like, I have to love my website before I share it with people. And even to love a podcast episode, like right now I'm loving sharing this episode with you, or I need to love an email that I write to my community or a social media post. And yes, there are times where I send emails that I don't love, or I record a podcast that I don't love or social media posts that I don't love. And I can feel that. And so it's learning to have more of a fine-tuned radar. Like, do I love this? Is my heart in this? Does this feel really aligned? And I've learned that it's not about making things mechanical or transactional. It's really a different way of doing business. And that's where it's helpful to have a community of people who are thinking in these same lines and who can help to support me in this and encourage me in this and who understand what understand what I'm saying when I speak to the importance of this again because this is not a usual way of doing business and and my business is not a usual business. So the fifth and final lesson that I have learned is the importance of having really good boundaries. And this comes from a lot of crashing and burning. I know that when I'm plugged in all the time, when my attention becomes like a ping pong ball going between emails, Slack messages, Asana project management tasks with my team, communications with my clients and students, social media, I become a dimmed down version of myself. I get tired. I start to feel resentful. I cannot really think clearly. And my heart starts to get more blocked and clouded over. So having good boundaries is a huge piece of being able to be in my heart, in my work, and to be able to listen to my heart in my work, to have, I need a certain amount of space and quiet for that to happen. I'm sure that you can relate to that. 
So I have learned that I can be more open-hearted and more gracious when I have the space I need to take care of myself and to give space for my soul and to not always be in interactive mode with other people, whether it's my team or my community. And when I am in that kind of constant availability, constant communication, I get stressed out. I have a very tight feeling in my body and in my nervous system. And like I said, I just do not think as clearly. I cannot feel my heart as much. And so I've had to learn over the years different ways to create the structure for myself so that I am engaged in the world, so I'm available to my team, so I'm available to my community, but not so available that then I'm not able to actually share the best of myself with people because my business relies on me. And so if I'm not in good shape, my business isn't going to be in good shape and I'm not going to be able to serve others. And then really, what's the point? And I've worked with people on my team who have not fully understood this, who have not fully supported this. And that has been challenging. And obviously those relationships haven't worked out. Again, this is not a conventional business. This is not a conventional way of running the business. And I'm grateful that I did have a, one business mentor several years ago who, who really runs her business and her life in a similar way and was able to give me some really important feedback that I've stuck with over the years. Again, it's unconventional. Different team members haven't liked it, have pushed back against it. But th- this is what I need to do to take care of myself and to do this work in a sustainable way. So basically, as of right now, I have two days a week, w- which are like my extroverted days. Those are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I see clients on those days and I teach my courses on those days. I have meetings with my team. I do podcast interviews on those days. And it used to be before I dialed my business down in 2018, it used to be one day a week, just Wednesdays when I did that. And I'm actually moving back to that in the fall because I'm cutting back on my one-on-one clients in the fall. So I'm going to move back to one day a week. And on that same day of the week is when I also do project management with my team, kind of go through our project management software and get up to date on everything in there, have our team meeting. And then one week a month, I have no meetings and I do not teach. And this is something I haven't also haven't been implementing for a while because I've been in more of a building up phase again these past few years, but I'm implementing this again starting this fall. One week a month, which is like my introverted week, it's just time to work on the business rather than in the business to really recalibrate my nervous system, to give my students and clients time for integration give my team time for integration. And then I have two months a year when I do not teach. So I can really just recharge in that way. I have mornings to myself. And I really notice that the quality of my work starts to diminish when these boundaries get worn down for too long, because sometimes these boundaries need to shift if we're in a program launch, or if I'm training a new team member or something like that. And then I know that I, I can't go for too long without returning back to these boundaries. Otherwise, I'm going to get into that more tightened, hardened place. And things are not, things are not going to work well for anyone when that happens. 
So I've really learned that I need to work with people, both my clients and my students and my team members who really get this and respect this. And then I've had to end relationships when just consistently that's not happening when, but that's, that's okay. You know, that we just have a different way of understanding what, what we need. And again, really validating for myself. I am a highly sensitive person. I am very introverted. This is a heart-centered, soul-based business. This is not a usual kind of business. And while it might be unconventional to run a business in this way, I have learned through trial and error that this is, this is what I need to do. I need to be plugged into my heart and embodying my soul to actually be of service to other people. I need to be giving to myself regularly, nourishing myself in order to be able to show up and give that and nourish other people. So boundaries, these boundaries, again, they, they don't become clear overnight. They've become clear over many years and it's taken time to implement them. So like I'm returning just to one day a week of extroverted time after a couple of years of having two days a week and at different times than that, there were even three days a week. So it, there, there can be different stages that, that we move in. And now I'm starting to implement having one week a month again to myself. And I haven't done that in a long time. So we can have different tiers of implementation, but it, it's about being willing to assess what you need for your constitution within your season of life, within the season of your business, and to adapt accordingly and to communicate really clearly to people so that people just know these are part of your policies, both your front end policies with your students and clients and your back-end policies with your team or any other people that you, you know, that, that you work with, contractors, et cetera. So, so everyone can be on the same page and so that you can feel really supported to, to show up as your best self. So let's recap these five big business lessons. The first is to be consistent and to really repeat and rinse over time. This doesn't mean that, that you don't scrap things when, when you know that it's right, but just to see what, what can be repeated, what can be refined. Number two is to practice profit first, to really give a role, a percentage to every dollar that comes in and to be intimate with your income and your expenses. Number three is to get the right support, ideally a combination of both a mentor and a community of like-minded people to help you to get where you're wanting to go faster in a more streamlined way and in a more enjoyable way. The fourth is to follow your heart and to do things that feel good to you, that feel in alignment, that allow you to feel like your best self. And number five, to have good boundaries. And having good boundaries is essential to be able to be your best self and to follow your heart. So I, I turn it over to you and I ask you which one of these five feels like it's one if, if you have your own business, which one of these five feels like it's one that you need or want to embrace the most right now, that, that you want to take an action step towards. I welcome you to share with me whatever you've discovered from that. You're always welcome to DM me on Instagram. I'm at sarahavonstover.com. 
And for anyone who wants to go deeper with any of this with me in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing a new program called She Serves. It is a intimate circle of female coaches, therapists, and healing professionals coming together to do our inner and outer work together. So the work of growing and running soulful, profitable, and beautiful businesses with integrity and wholeness. And I'm opening up a limited number of spaces for this first cohort of women. It's going to be by application only. And I'm going to be sending out that invitation to my email list. So if you're not on my email list and you are curious about the program, you can sign up for my email list at sarahavonstover.com or you can DM me on Instagram at sarahavonstover. So for those of you here in the U.S., I wish you a happy holiday weekend. And everyone, I'll see you back here next weekend with our next episodes talking about being consistent. Our monthly interview is happening next weekend. So thanks for, thanks for being part of this conversation. I enjoyed sharing it with you again. This is a topic that's really close to my heart. And for those of you for whom this material applies, I hope that at least some of it was supportive for you, supportive for you, supportive for you. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Herself Podcast. And thank you for taking the time to turn in and tend to yourself. This is a lifelong journey and every little step we take matters. Along the way, I'm right here walking beside you, sharing my own twists and turns and what I learned from them as we go. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I invite you to go deeper with me by enrolling in my free course, Seven Habits of Whole Women. Just head over to sarahavonstover.com, click on the link in the top right corner of the page, and the first day of this free seven-day mini course will be sent to you right away. Inside, you'll discover simple things you can do to experience your wholeness more often, starting right now. And if you haven't already, I invite you to hit subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. If you enjoyed your time here, I'd also be very grateful if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast. That way other women who might enjoy this can better find it too. Above all, keep going. I believe in you. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support.